calm. Tell them you didn't like that and you don't you don't want to be turned down. You want a book bug ad. And I was like, well, okay. You know, I thought, really? Okay. And I thought, I'm just this little peon out here. You know, what are they going to do? So I did. They could not have been nicer. Hello, this is Stephen Campbell, and you are listening to The Author Biz, where we discuss meaningful ways to get better results with your author business. And meaningful results are exactly what we're talking about today. What happens when an author has enough self-awareness to recognize that the results she's getting aren't what she needs, and she's finally willing to make the serious and sometimes scary changes to get things going in the right direction? Since I've owned several software companies, I have a tendency to use technology metaphors for everything. So we're going to use and probably beat to death a metaphor that you're no doubt familiar with. You know that thing you do when your computer's not working, that really technical thing that we all know how to do, fixes most of the problems you're having. You know what I'm talking about, right? You turn it off and you turn it back on again. As you probably know, that's called a system reboot. And it's the idea for today's show. What do you do when your career as an author isn't working for you? Well, in the case of today's guest, Deborah Kuntz, she rebooted her career not just once, but twice. And the second time included a much-needed operating system upgrade, which is my geeky way of saying she went through a pretty serious uh, shift in her mindset. In this episode, we quickly walk through the different versions of Deb's career and how she found the optimal performance level for her author business by fully embracing the world of indie publishing. This is a fun, and at least for me, an inspiring show that I hope you're going to enjoy. As always, you'll find show notes for this episode at theauthorbiz.com, and while you're there, please sign up for the email list. A little person wearing one of those funny-looking green and red hats told me that being on the AuthorBiz email list is the best way she knows of to be certain that Santa will stop at your house on December 24th. So don't take any chances. Sign up for the email list. Now, let's get on with the show. Deborah Kuntz, welcome to the AuthorBiz. Thank you for having me. Always great to be here. It's always a pleasure to chat with you. Uh, this is, I don't know how many times we've done it, but it's, it's, it's always fun, and it's not, it's not enough, so it, this is fun. But today, what we're going to talk about is the reboot of your career, and so we're, we're titling this show something to the effect of author reboot or author 2.0 or something, so let's very briefly walk through Deborah Kuntz 1.0 and Deborah Kuntz 1.5 and Deborah Kuntz 2.0 to kind of bring people up to speed with with your career. Deborah Kuntz 1.0 was Deborah Kuntz, the traditionally published author. That's correct. I uh, sold Want to Get Lucky, which was my first book. I sold, well, my first published novel. I sold that in December of 2008 uh, with a publication date for May of 2010, and I sold it to Tor Forge, a division of Macmillan in New York. And like every author that gets uh, such an incredible opportunity, I knew I was incredibly lucky, but I was also over the moon. I mean, that was just the most amazing thing. Not always wanted to be traditionally published. 
And I thought I'd, you know, I'd made it, not necessarily in terms of great sales and bestsellers. And I didn't even, you know, go there. I was just so amazed that somebody wanted to publish my book. So um, little did I know that in 2008, you know, the, re- the recession, the economy went off a cliff. And by 2010, when the book came out, Amazon Digital had really started uh, making its presence felt in the marketplace, and books had really become commoditized at that time, and price really mattered um, in terms of sales, but New York just really hadn't caught up with that. And so despite wonderful reviews and Marilyn Stasio picking uh, Want to Get Lucky as a New York Times notable crime novel for 2010 and a double Rita finalist nod and all of that, the sales were sort of lackluster. And that was okay. We, we sort of limped along for two or three books, and the sales kept picking up and kept picking up, but the, but the publisher wouldn't lower the price to really give them a jump start. And so finally, by the fifth book, um, it was I had sold it to them, but it wasn't in production yet, and I just said, okay, you know, this, this, you're publishing me into no career at all. And so I, I took my book back. And and so they had the first four, and I had book five, and luckily I got the first four back from the publisher. And so and I, let, that let's was, talk about that because it's not luckily, sure. and and we'll just hit it briefly. But you know, this wasn't a luckily thing. This was you aggressively going after the books and uh, taking an action. It, they didn't just fall back in your lap. No, no, and and I think. My publisher was very nice to me. I don't think that they really had to give me the books back contractually. Um, they were just very nice to me, and 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 luckily I, I I did. And and one of the things that I learned in in that whole 1.0 experience was that authors were so used to not rocking the boat once they had a traditional publisher. They were too afraid to call. They didn't want to be the squeaky wheel. They didn't want to get the reputation of being, you know, a problem for their editor. And I just disagreed with that philosophy. Now, I wasn't going to badger my publisher. I sold my book to them because I thought they knew how to publish books, and they do. And so I would left them to do that. But by gosh, when there was something that I needed, you know, to take up with them, I picked up the phone and called. And this was one of those instances where I thought, you know, if I don't ask for my books back, I sure won't get them back. So I asked Mm -hmm. and we negotiated and we figured it out and, and off we went. And had I not gotten those first four books back and, and I bought the fifth book back from them had I not gotten all of those books um, right now, Deborah Coons 2.0 would be a whole different story. Mm-hmm. But, but we're getting ahead of ourselves. So that, I might, got those, that might be Deborah Coons 2.5, and, and we're not right. there yet. We're not there yet. No. Well, almost. <laughs> so so you, bought, you bought the rights back to the books, and you and I talked about that time, and there actually is an Author Biz interview that I'll link to here where you go into great detail about you know, some of the reasons why all of this happened, but essentially it was the kinds of books you were writing weren't going to find an audience at twenty seven ninety five. Like right. I, I would buy them <laughs> and it was probably me and, uh, you know, some other loyal fans. You and, and my that, mother. No. And, that, and that was it. And, uh, you know, you wanted them to lower the price of the books, uh, maybe have a paperback release or just digital releases or do something uh, to make it 
to make the books more saleable, and they were unwilling to do that. So you got the books back. And well, they actually they actually did all those things. Okay. I mean, they I had I was published in hardcover nationally, mm-hmm. and then I got uh, mass market. Came out a year later. You know your typical New York time frame back yep. in the day. And then the ebook also went up, but it was an issue of pricing. And I looked at just this morning. I looked at some ebook prices from some of the big five um, novelists, and they're all at eleven ninety nine, twelve ninety nine, fourteen ninety nine uh, for for a digital file that you don't even own. Yes, you know, and and that's the readers are just a lot smarter than that. And yes, I spend a lot of time writing my book, but I don't want them to pay fourteen ninety nine to read a digital file. Um, I'd rather have I'd rather have ten thousand people pay four ninety nine than two hundred pay fourteen ninety nine. Right, right. Now then, then we move on to Deborah Kuntz one point five, and I will. I will share my thoughts on Deborah Kuntz 1.5, and then you can you can correct me. I, I saw Deborah Kuntz 1.5 as you wanting to keep a toe in the traditionally published water while trying to keep another toe across the river on the ground of self-publishing. Is that is that fair? Um, actually, I think it was worse than that. I think it was just me whining. <laughs> I was, I was being a baby. <laughs> I was being a total baby. Well, you weren't ready yet. You you weren't I ready. Wasn't. And that's I, a mindset wanted, thing. That's a mindset yeah, I thing. I wanted somebody to hold my hand, and and I just thought the learning curve of going in, you know, into what the the indie publishing world takes um, now for you to be a success to to strap all of that on on top of everything else I was doing. And I, you know, I moved my kids to San Francisco. I moved to Texas. I'm dealing with my parents and their health issues. And, you know, life was just sort of getting in the way. And I thought, I just can't devote the time to learn how to do this in indie pubbing thing correctly. And so I wanted somebody to hold my hand and, and it was a good bridge for me, I guess, but I am, I am, absolutely entrepreneurial and I am the wrong personality really to have somebody else controlling my writing career. I am much better suited doing it myself. And while I love that interim, um, aspect and I learned some things from watching how that was going, I really, finally, I just went, this, this is nuts. I, I have got to get in there and wait in and figure out how to do all of this. And, as with most problems that you make big in your mind, it was not nearly as large a learning curve or as high a learning curve as I thought it would be. So Deborah Kuntz 1.5 was one book, essentially. It was, a, yes, yes, it was. One new book, yes. Yes, and it, it was the re-release of some other, of, of the original, I think the first four? Correct. With new covers, and then Deborah Kuntz, 2.0 springs to life, takes absolute <laughs> control of her publishing Thanks life. Thanks to my friend, like Stephen Campbell. <laughs> but you redesigned all your covers. You redid your website. We did that together. You hired an author's assistant, and you've really thrown yourself into understanding everything that needs to be done to become successful as an indie author. Well, I'm. I mean, I'm getting there. It changes. The world changes every day. But I think that I have, you know, a, certainly a, enough knowledge of the world to have um, met with some success and had had a great time, uh, especially recently. It's been it's been quite a fun thing. 
Let's talk about the, the mindset shift that allowed you to go from 1.5 to 2.0. At what point did you say, I can do this? I don't need anybody to help me. I can do it myself. I, I'm not sure I ever admitted to myself that I could do it. I think what really was was the, the motivating factor for me was that I wasn't getting the kind of information I needed, uh, sales, what kind of promotions were working, you know, how was pricing affecting sales. You know, I wasn't getting any of that kind of information that allowed me to make um, decisions as an author to try to better my sales or find more readers or, or, or even if had somebody said something negative about the books, I'm not even sure I would have been able to find that either. <laughs> and, and so I think it was just, I really needed to know. I felt that I was just, I still felt like I was just writing a book and tossing it into a chasm and it just disappeared. And that was the last I heard of it until a check arrived in the mail. And, you know, and, and that wasn't enough for me. It is writing books is hard. And anybody that thinks that writing books is not hard, it hasn't, hasn't really paid attention and doesn't know what they're talking about. It is hard work. And I felt like if, if I'm doing all this hard work, then I need to know how to maximize, um, my return for this hard work. And my return isn't just in money. Um, that's not, you know, the total bottom line to this, there's a lot of other returns that you Mm -hmm. get from being a writer. And, and so I wanted the things that you've been preaching to me all along was I wanted to have a personal relationship with my readers. I wanted them to be able to access me. I wanted, you know, to build this community and we all love stories. And so, um, I, that's what I wanted out of it. I just didn't want to create a product and hand it off to somebody and then sit down at my desk and create another one. I wanted more than that. And, and, and I've gotten it. And I just sat down and, and just started pecking away at all the things, you know, that I needed to know. How do you find a cover artist? How do you find copy editors, line editors, proofreaders, you know, beta readers, how do you, how do you find all these people? How do you get somebody to redo your website? What's the best website, you know, format to have? How do you do that? How do you build a, you know, an email list? And it all sounds incredibly intimidating when you're sitting there looking at this huge amount of work that you've got to learn how to do, but it's just like writing a novel. You know, you just start pecking away at it and, um, pretty soon you figure out how to format your, or you hire a formatter and you find a cover design guy Mm -hmm. that you like and you, you know, and, and it all starts sort of synergistically falling into place and it is a hoot and a half. And I mean, I just, I'm having more fun well, one of the things that I find interesting, because we're friends and we chat from time to time, is the way that you have embraced this. It's it's a mindset a mindset shift from being say somewhat. That, say that three times fast. Okay. I, I'm, I'm going to have to correct what I said because I don't think it, it came out well. It's going to hit me in the explicit category, I think, in in iTunes. But um, you you were somewhat resistant to some of this initially, and. And, and you've completely shifted to where you're just actively embracing it all. And, and you're searching out new ways to learn information and new ways to gather information to make your author business run better. And I mean, it's been super fun to watch. <laughs> well, that's sort of my personality, though. Um, so I can't say 
that it was a bit of divine intervention or anything like that. But um, that really is my personality. Once I decide on a path, mm-hmm. you know, I want, I mean, I learned to fly an airplane, so I couldn't stop there. I had to go all the way to being a flight instructor, you know, <laughs> and so I, I wanted to write. Well, I couldn't stop there. I had to figure out how you write a really good novel, you know, and and so now I want to be a publisher, which is really what I am. And so how do you do that in the best possible, most effective, most efficient way that gives the most bang for the buck, not only to me, but to my readers and and to everybody else involved? What have you done differently as uh, Deborah Kuntz 2.0? What's, what's different? Well, I think the biggest overarching difference is that I trust myself. And, I mean, I created these stories. I understand these stories. I think I know pretty much who wants to read these stories. I know what the covers should look like. You know, I I know where I want to position them, which was something that my traditional publisher had a really difficult time with. And so I trusted myself, and and I created covers that were consistent with that vision, and I've done marketing things and, and all of that stuff that, that have been consistent with that vision for the book. And, and wonderful to, to report, they're finding all kinds of readers, and I'm getting wonderful emails, and there's lots of interaction mm. going on, and, you know, and it's wonderful. But I have done sort of the traditional indie thing. You know, I, have, I had five books when I started um, the indie thing, and I totally repackaged all of them and just sort of put them up and didn't say anything to anybody about them. And I learned about metadata and and how to upload to Amazon and Kobo and Nook and iBooks and, and figured out all the nuances of all of that. And I didn't really tell anybody about the books because I was so afraid I was going to do it all wrong and then people were going to pay money and they were going to get, you know, trash. And and so I wanted to make sure that my formatter had gotten everything right, that that my proofreader had gotten all the typos. And I'll tell you a story about want to get lucky in a minute. You want to talk about a nightmare. <laughs> but um, And so I learned a lot of lessons that way without really being very vocal about it. And then once I was sort of sure that I had the product the way I wanted and it would be a good experience uh, for the people that bought it, then I started working into some of the some of the marketing things just slowly just to see and test the waters and and figure out what worked and I bought some courses based on people who had actually been on your show uh, Mark Dawson's course on um, Facebook ads for writers mm-hmm. um, and then um, uh, I think Nick you did Stevenson's Nick Stevenson's course, course Nick too. Nick Stevenson's yeah. course mm-hmm. on building your email list. And, of course, you'd been preaching email lists for I don't know how long. It's imprinted on the back of my eyelids. And and I finally, you know, um, got around to taking you up on it. And, of course, you were 100% right. I just, I really am reticent to, and I was, to um, communicate and send out emails and well, newsletters and stuff to people. That's because you're a southern belle. <laughs> well, I don't think so. <laughs> but, but, you know, but I did grow up being taught that, you know, it's, it's very unseemly to toot your own horn. And I felt like that was, that was a lot of tooting my own horn. But you have to do it. or Otherwise, people aren't going to know what you got. And they won't find your books. And they won't buy them if they don't know they're there. And, and through my writer friends and my networking, I have, uh, you know, I got my assistant um, on your recommendation, and she is completely, totally awesome. She has changed my life. I'm thinking of adopting her. And she is? Kate Tilton. 
and um, she is absolutely fabulous. And through another, some writer friends of mine in San Francisco, I got my formatter, I got the cover designer, you know, and you just start putting in pieces of all of this and you just ask around and you find people that, that you work well with and off you go. And it's amazing. And then you turn around, you know, two weeks later, you turn around and you go, wait, I did, I did all that. You know, I got a good product and I managed to upload it to Amazon and, and iBooks and Kobo and Nook without irritating anyone <laughs> and, um, well, much. And, and it all worked out. And, and I, learned, I learned something that I didn't know. I am not a very good, um, oh, the, the, in Word, where you can make corrections, you know, and correct typos and, and whatnot, and you can leave the comments on the manuscript itself mm-hmm. and the review feature or whatever it is. I had no idea that if you weren't really careful that some people's changes can get embedded in the manuscript and you don't know they're there. And so you keep getting, you get, like a word is misspelled. The word will stay misspelled, but then in the middle of the word, it will have the correct letter that should have been there in addition to the misspelled, you know, to the incorrect letter. And that ended up with happening to want to get lucky some proofreader somewhere somebody didn't accept all the changes or whatever and they got embedded and we went round and round and round and round trying to figure out how to get those friggin' things out of that thing and we finally did but boy i learned a lot about that feature on word (laughs) (laughs) just when you think you know everything right (laughs) now you've also done you've you've been experimenting with promotion as well with with some of the books so so walk us through that because this has all been fairly recent. It, it is, and I'm still in the middle of some of it. I haven't um, incorporated some of the things that I want to do. Uh, the first thing that I did was I made Want to Get Lucky, the first book in the series, free on all of the platforms. And, and I used it, and I promoted it through some of the free you know, book sites and whatnot. I used that to try and, and bring people to the series. And that works and is continues to work phenomenally well. And I actually, and here's an interesting thing. And this is, this is one thing I learned that I never would have, would have done, but BookBub is um, an email newsletter service that sends out a newsletter every day and advertises three or four books that are discounted or, or whatever um, to their email subscribers who are broken down by genre. Mm -hmm. And they have hundreds of thousands of subscribers to their various newsletters um, in the various genres. And so I I submitted Want to Get Lucky to BookBub, and I put it under Chicklet. I I have no idea how that box got checked because it is not really Chicklet. And um, it's romantic mystery with humor in it, and they don't have a category for that. And so they turned me down. And I was crushed. And so I was whining to one of my author friends in San Francisco, Josie Brown, who writes the uh, Housewife Assassin series that is hilarious. Those are funny books. And, and she was like, well, call them. And I was like, what? She was like, yeah, call them. Tell them you didn't like that and you don't, you don't want to be turned down. You want a book bug ad. And I was like, well, okay. <laughs> I thought, really? Okay. <laughs> I thought, I'm just this little peon out here, you know, what are they going to do? So I did. They could not have been nicer. 
they were absolutely the sweetest thing. And I just, and I wasn't like, you know, I just said, Hey, I'm really bummed. I got turned down. And I really thought this book because of, and I listed its accolades, you know, that it had received, I thought it might be a really good book for you. And this is the first time it's been free. And, and, you know, I think really that my problem was that it got miscategorized, you know, and that was my bad. And, but I understand you have a lot of people, you know, and I went through the whole Southern way of doing this. I said, so keep me in mind for other, you know, other opportunities down the road. Well, they called, they they got right back to me and said, oh, you're absolutely right. The book would be fabulous. And here's a day. And they gave me a Friday, which is like gold. And, um, they gave me a Friday and they said, here's your day. And so, um, that day was October 30th. And that day changed my life as a, as a writer, uh, book, bum. I All right. Think now this, this is November 24th. We're recording this. So that was 25 right. days ago. It wasn't October 30th, a year ago or two no. years ago. It was 25 yeah. days ago. All right. It is the most, I mean, it's been the most amazing thing. Um, just that day alone, um, I had 45,000 downloads at least, um, across the four platforms at least. And since then, I've probably doubled that in downloads, free downloads of Want to Get Lucky. I can't tell you how many emails I get every day about how I just found your, your Want to Get Lucky. You know, I'm now on the third book and, you know, and people are so excited and I'm, I'm just like, really? <laughs> really? <laughs> wow. You know, and um, I'm just, I'm just so, it, it's just incredible. And the day that, that the book bub came out, sales, my sales, not downloads, sales doubled. The next day, the, the second day, the day after the book bub ad, my sales doubled. Then the day after that, my sales doubled again. Wow. And they stayed there. You know, and of course, Kate, my assistant, when I told her that, she was like, you know, that that doesn't really happen to everybody. <laughs> and I was like, you know, I'm getting that feeling, but I am just so humbled and so energized by the whole thing. And that lucky after all this time, what, seven years since I sold want to get lucky. Um, lucky has found, finally found some friends out there in, in the, um, story universe. Now let and me, so- let me jump in here for people who maybe didn't hear the first interview or haven't heard any of the other times I've interviewed you, because I love sharing the story of how I first came across Lucky. And I'm, I'm, I'm just going to forget that you ever, anyone ever tried to categorize them as chiclet because that <laughs> I'm not going for that. But anyway, I was in uh, North Carolina. We have uh, a son who was in the Marines. He was being deployed and the deployment was pushed back like a, we were losing a day a day. So I thought, I've, I've got to go to the bookstore and get a book. So I'm I'm in the bookstore. I look around. I see this book, uh, something about Las Vegas. And I'm like, That's, that, looks like, that, that looks like it would be fun. I took it back, back to the hotel, zipped through it in no time, fell in love with this character, and have read every book since. So I am a huge fan of Lucky. And, you know, I'm so glad that, that we, we have... Deb Koontz 2.0 that's still producing books in this series. And I'm, I'm reading the, is it the sixth book now? Yeah. Lucky, Lucky Break? break. Yeah. Lucky Break. I'm reading it now as we speak. And it's really, it's terrific. I, I, think, oh, it's, I think it's one of your best. I don't like comparing books, but I, I think it's, it, it's right up there. Well, you know what's funny about that book? When I finished it, I just, I sat down and I said, you know, 
I, th- I think this is my favorite book. And it just, it was one of those books that came together. And one of the things that I've learned as a writer over the course of this series is to how to scratch a, um, a little bit deeper into the emotional stuff and not make it, you know, yucky. Um, just, just to add that element that makes the story more, more rounded, the characters more rounded and more interesting, and hopefully um, people get more invested in them um, because of that, even though, I mean, there was a lot of that in the first place, but I've learned to trust myself again. Mm-hmm. And that seems to be the theory of the author reboot um, in, in Deborah's world is, you know, I need to trust myself more as a storyteller and a business person and, and remember to have fun. And that's the whole point. And you've got this category that's, you know, it, it's these fun mysteries, fun, funny, laugh out loud, funny mysteries uh, with a female protagonist that women will like, women will love, and a, a lot of men uh, will like as well. And it, the author reboot situation allows Lucky to go on, and I'm, I'm so happy about that. And I'm so happy to hear you say that you've found, Lucky's found all these new readers. That's, that's just thrilling to me. She has, but what is, is so, uh, so hilarious too is, okay, I, I work like a slave to get this book out because I realized it was a Christmas book. And I was like, oh no, I can't put that on in February. <laughs> you know, I was like, wait a minute, you know. And, um, and so I'm, I'm slaving madly away to get this, you know, this book done. And, and I get it. I hire three proofreaders and line editors and I have beta readers and I have my, my best friend reading it, you know, my best friend beta reader um, reading it. And, and we're just scrambling like mad to get it all put together. And finally I get it published and I hit the, you know, publish today button. And the next thing I get is an email from somebody that says, that was a great book. When's the next one? <laughs> and I was like, I haven't even had time to have a drink. You know, <laughs> it was like, oh my gosh, you know, how am I going to do that? And I was like, no, 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 no. <laughs> you know, she was like, I can't wait to see what happens. And I said, yeah, me either. <laughs> you know. All right. Now um, let's let's talk. We're, we need to finish up. So let's talk about the launch and what was different about th- this launch from 1.0 and 1.5 launches. It, it, was there anything different? Well, actually, um, unfortunately, there was not as much different as I wanted there to be because of the time crunch. Mm-hmm. I didn't get the manuscript. Um, fully satisfactory to me and spit and polished and ready to go in time to do pre-orders, which is something that with the next one I will. And, um, you know, it was, it was, it was the same thing, you know, you, you and, and all my other friends drug me kicking and screaming into this. And then I realized I had a short fuse on, on this book for Christmas and so I had, I had wasted some time in terms of just, you know, not wanting to face it and, um, you know, and do all the things that needed to be done. So I didn't, I didn't get the pre-order stuff up. I didn't get ARC sent out to reviewers. You know, I didn't do some of the things that I will do uh, much more fully in the next one. And those are probably the two. And I would do I would do more newsletters up front, just sort of here, this is coming, and, and here's some pictures of the locations in Vegas, or here's what's going on, and mm-hmm. I'm going to Macau, and Lucky's going to Macau, so here's some photographs from my trip, or, you know, where do you think Lucky should hang out kind of thing, um, just to try and 
and get some some interest going beforehand. I just sort of had time to send out a couple of newsletters, and boom, the book was there. Yeah, and I mean the whole the whole Deborah Kuntz two thing has been very compressed. There's there hasn't been a lot of time, but you you've done some things that were very clever uh, with Kate's help along the way. Um, you. You use the Nick Stevenson technique of of giving away something for free to collect email addresses, and I know that that was very successful for you. So your email list grew while you were writing the book. So you had more people that you could email when the time came to say, hey, I have a new book. And you've got all these people that have just found their way to the series now that can work their way all the way up to the new uh, full-price book. Yeah, and it's funny. You can watch it in your in your daily sales um, figures. You can you can watch people buy Lucky Stiff, and then you can see the you know Lucky Stiff will stay up high, but then oh, all of a sudden, so damn lucky, which is the book that follows Lucky Stiff. You know, the sales will start climbing, and then as people work their way through the series, and so it's really gratifying that not only have they found it, that they read Want to Get Lucky, and that they like it enough to keep going, and it's. It's just the most fun I've had as a writer in I don't know when. I mean, I, can't, I haven't had this much fun ever. All right. Now, let's wrap up with Deborah Kuntz 2.5. <laughs> Aren't we co- getting ahead of ourselves? What's, what's coming next? Because I, I know you're working on some other things that you, would not, you, you might not have been able to do before you developed this newfound take control of your career by the throat. squeeze the heck out of it (laughs) yeah (laughs) shake it until it gives in um well i'm exploring different series i have a series set in napa the first book is written and it's more of a women's fictiony kind of kind of series and everybody was appalled to, to discover that um, that while they really like the series, my main character does is not snarky like Lucky is, and so the voice is somewhat different. And I'm working on that series, and then I'm I'm almost about halfway through with the first in a romantic suspense series with a female helicopter pilot and a Coast Guard commander, um, set in um, south of Houston, and a lot of the action takes place on the oil rigs in the Gulf of Mexico, and. You know, I'm I'm going and playing in different universes that I probably wouldn't have been allowed to play in mm-hmm. um, had I stayed with a traditional publisher, but that creates its own problem um, because the paradigm in the indie world that everybody believes that you put your first book in a series for free and you do all the things that I've done with the Lucky series and that works and that brings readers to the series. Well, the problem is I have the first book in Crushed, the the Napa series done. I have the almost the first book in the Romantic Suspense series done, but I don't have any others. Mm-hmm. So there isn't anything to make free. So I'm, you know, arguing with myself as to how I'm going to spend my writing time and how I'm going to introduce these series to the public. Am I going to write three three books of the Napa series and, and put them all about, out, you know, quickly and then make the first one free and, you know, go through all of that? Or am I just going to scatter shoot it and hope that uh, my lucky readers will cross over and and that will help the books um, get jump started and I'm not sure what I'm going to do I, I really haven't decided surely the lucky readers will be interested in the helicopter pilot 
series because that's right. It's sim- similar genre, and you're and building the, and your the email list. And the main character list. there is is a is a kick-ass female. You know, I mean, she you know she's very competent mm-hmm. and um, has a bit of snark about her and um, is is somewhat self-protective, like Lucky was, and and so while they're not at all the same characters, they have the same feel and they have totally different backgrounds and you know all that kind of stuff but um they do have the same sort of appeal all right deb we are we are about out of time uh lucky the lucky series is available everywhere right right all the all the digital retailers and then in in trade paper from amazon okay and what's the best way for people to keep up with what you're doing online well if they want to, they can go to my website, um, which is debracoons.com, and they will see where they can get four free novellas if they sign up for my newsletter. Um, and and I only send a newsletter out once a month, and or when I have something interesting to say, which isn't necessarily always once a month, as you know, it's sometimes longer <laughs> than that. I am biting <laughs> my tongue right here. It's starting to bleed. <laughs> once every ten years, she sends out a newsletter. <laughs> but you can find me on Facebook. Um, Deborah Koontz writer um, is on Facebook and at Deborah Koontz on Twitter, and I'm I'm sort of. Pretty easy to find if you look for me, and I hope you do, uh, because I love to talk to other storytellers and just people who love stories. And you're at a lot of conferences. You do a lot of traveling, and you love you. You told I just know from knowing you that you love meeting other authors at these conferences and and doing these things. I do, I do, and that has been one of the biggest boons um, of being a writer for sure. Is all the people that I've met in the industry and the networking opportunities that conferences. Uh, offer have been great for my career and you know it's just it's it is the most fun job ever and i am so lucky um to be able to do it and if people didn't read my stories i wouldn't get to do it so i'm very grateful for their interest it has been inspiring to watch you go through this process from 1.0 to 2.0 there there have been some bumps (laughs) in the road but you've come out smiling on the other end and it's it's it is super fun to watch I'm sure you were ready to throttle me at one point or another. (laughs) (laughs) But Deb, thanks so much for being here. Thank you very much for having me. I look forward to next time. Deb, thanks so much for sharing your story today. There are thousands, I'm guessing thousands, of traditionally published authors out there who will, at some point, need to go through the same painful process that Deb's gone through over the past few years. I have a feeling this is one of those episodes that's going to remain popular well after release week. So that's it for this week. Thanks for listening. Let's all stay focused and create something great this week.